What's up, everybody? It's Matty B and CK. Thanks for tuning in. And uh, I had the pleasure of being gone for a little bit out in Montana recently. And it's something I do every year, but this year was a little different. It was far more enjoyable being unplugged. The place I particularly went to didn't even really have much internet. So uh, we took a little bit of time off and, and now we're back. And I came back to a more open Minnesota, but let me tell you, the mountains and the vibes out there are way different and it was super enjoyable and so we're gonna discuss a little bit of current topics now that I'm back and a lot's transpired on free speech and and how we feel about what's going on and how it uh, might affect us as individuals and even other countries i think so ck what do you got to start the topic uh nothing in particular i mean i guess the question of the day is do you have a right to say what you want online just as you would uh, in person does, does the first amendment extend to to the internet and before you answer that question and before people who are listening or maybe listening answer that question, I encourage you to to take a step back and not answer that question with a a person in mind that you know maybe you have some animosity towards, um, whether it's a you know, former president or, or somebody who um, who you don't agree with. Try try and take a try and take a step back view it from an objective position, remove emotion from the situation and ask yourself if kind of the principles that you're applying to the situation would be fair or just um, beyond just the, the circumstances that we're, we're facing here today and the, and the you know forms of censorship that we've seen transpire over the last couple of weeks. So uh, I'll leave you with that question. What do you, what do you think? Do you think you have the, the right to say what you would like online just as as you would in person assuming it's not um kind of starting any any type of uh violence yeah i'm glad you picked that end tidbit to end on because even free speech in person um has limits because you know when they get to a certain point they're called terroristic threats right and i think that is far more easily identified in person or if someone was to leave a voicemail for somebody um it's pretty black and white whether that is to incite violence or threaten somebody right and when it is online a lot of people can jump on board with an original comment and that seems to be um, the responsibility of a person that has said something online and, and it gets muddy. And so what I would say is from my objective perspective is that it depends on who you are and what you're saying, whether you have the ability to continue to say whatever you want. So are you saying that if you have more followers or more credibility, more reach or more of an impact that there should or maybe 
restrictions to what you can or cannot say just because of the potential influence that your words may have? No, I actually feel the opposite. And and the reason being is I tend to default to a very free um, country and sticking to the fundamentals that are written in our freedoms. And so I think the accountability and responsibility is is like on each individual, right? And so there's like a societal responsibility that comes with taking action as an individual or a group or whatever to do something that may be either flat out illegal or frowned upon. But what I'm saying is, is I don't think that anybody online saying anything, the power to make that, make people do something is, is false. It's, it's not even real. Like those, if, if someone was to do something to get behind a message that was sent on Facebook or Instagram or any other outlet, um, and that original piece of content didn't have any inherent uh, violent characteristics or terroristic threats or whatever, that's that seems odd that the responsibility would lie on a comment or a saying or a phrase or a motivational quote that somebody posts online. Like there's no individual accountability for that. And and you could argue that the person who is of influence has some sort of responsibility. But like do they really? No, but I think the problem is it's less about the influence and it's it's less on the individual and more the fact that like these companies, whether it be Facebook, Twitter, Google, you know, with YouTube or their search, I mean, they have a responsibility to not only their shareholders, but also their employees, the surrounding community, et cetera, to, to uphold their reputation. Because as we've seen numerous times, it only takes a, a moment for you to get canceled or for massive sell-off in your shares of your company causes the stock price to crash. They're trying to constantly protect their reputation. And you pair that with the fact that there's no clear guidelines or governance mechanisms for how we're regulating speech online. And it becomes very easy for them to fall down this slippery slope of removing content, banning people, um, you know, temporarily or permanently suspending people, whatever the case may be. And, and that's not, that's not good, but I think really, you know, you can ask yourself, well, do they have an obligation to uphold our constitution? Some might say yes. Some might say no. I think the bigger issue is the fact that the internet is not a public good. And what I mean by a public good, it's something that's that's shared, that we all collectively benefit from, we would maybe pay from, 
by you know using our tax dollars would be leveraged to to create roads that we all use and that we all benefit from from using it as you know a mode of transportation the internet is is so crucial and vital to our society nowadays and in especially in a time when we're all locked indoors it's very critical that people have a voice online because that is the new soapbox. That is what the founders envisioned when they created our constitution. And, and you almost have to ask yourself, is the solution, is, is, it, is it not the, the private company's fault? And is it our responsibility as a nation to somehow have some type of open sourced, free, internet that everyone has a right to that could definitely turn into something very very dangerous who knows but you almost have to ask like what's the solution yeah i mean i think if you go back to the inception of most of these companies uh the level of adoption was acquired because uh, they didn't have those obligations of shareholders and uh, reputation. Um, and therefore, their competitive advantage, in my opinion, was really the opportunity for anybody to have a voice and express that in however they saw fit. I think that was far more true during their inception period than it is today, right? But that is kind of a very common characteristic of getting large as a company or a nation, I suppose, is that you continue to build your reputation and people other than just your founders actually rely on you. And then as your company grows, your employee base, their opinions matter nowadays. And it, um, there is some realistic pressure that was probably put on these companies to do some of the decisions that they've made over the course uh, for good or bad or whatever. And so it's kind of ironic that their popularity, in my opinion, came from what they are drifting away from at this point. And so the, 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 the scary part about that is, uh, I don't think the regulation has ever really caught up with technology, um, on purpose or by default of, uh, retardation. I don't know. And, the uh, the fact that these companies are so large and we're dependent on these now, right? Like there's a legitimate dependency on them. And that's why you're seeing companies or countries like Uganda, Spain, and Germany either banning or seriously considering banning Twitter because that was the source of information. I think public figures, national figures are far more prominent on there. And they're getting scared because they're looking at what happened and saying, well, if this is my primary avenue of communication, which is super convenient, efficient, and cheap, and they can just do that, that's we're going to have to reevaluate our decision-making around here uh, because that was not the commonplace five years ago. Yeah, and I mean, like, I'm sorry, but if if people don't understand – that you cannot win an election without a social media presence. It's not possible. It just, you can't reach as many people. You can't 
do you think that do you think that is a recent phenomenon like this this go rounder was that was that proven in the previous one when uh basically social media was a pretty big part of it i i think it was proven in for sure 2016 yeah yeah i mean that is why former president won yeah you know um in my opinion without a doubt and and i mean it's who knows i mean who who's to say it's it's right or wrong i don't know it's there's arguments for both in, in my opinion it's just the fact that there's so much inconsistency in the the principles that people apply to their arguments nowadays online and now it's tough when you have you know thousands or millions of different trains of thoughts coming at you all at once which is what you get when you go on places like twitter you can get everyone's you know collective thoughts and and you can kind of ascribe it to 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 groups and it's tough to ascribe it to individuals but i see a lot of hypocrisy nowadays that's that's just straight up what i see for example you you have people constantly um saying well you know twitter google they're all private businesses they should have the right to do what they want and that's fine if you want to have that stance i will say that that is okay however when you want to flip it on its head and say look at all these businesses that have been shut down during covid but you're not sticking up for them as private businesses with the right to stay open and serve their customers and do as they please but you're okay with twitter operating as a private business you know I don't see how the two compute. It doesn't, it doesn't operate. It doesn't work. The argument doesn't work. You don't have a unanimous philosophy. No. And and I think it's, you can't pick and choose when you want to apply a principle and when you don't want to, it's, you just can't. Well, Well, you can, but then you don't have, you can, if you want, you cannot do it. If you want to actually achieve, the results that are intended when you make such an argument, right? Like what, what's the point of just like, uh, just saying, all right, we're going to, we're going to turn this argument on here, turn it off there. Well, I mean, it's incentives, right? Like people do that maybe even subconsciously because they benefit from said, uh, desired manipulations in the principle. hundred percent. So how does, and I don't even know if we need to talk about how that does get fixed, but I think there's some natural things that are still left to be done and played out because, you know, the free market of the world uh, will speak. And if you are a figure from another country that uses these platforms, you know, you're far more free to discard them and... I think the world economy is definitely where most of these people are choosing to make their playground and not necessarily just in the United States. So I, I do hope that there is some, I guess, counter action in the free market to stabilize some of these decisions. But, but Okay, okay. so let's walk through that because I right. think that that's the, the whole idea of a free market works to some extent but then you get something like a market failure where, where it's, it's not working like it should and, and and people aren't benefiting like they normally would in a free market and there's not an efficient allocation 
of goods and services for whatever reason. Yeah. So let's pretend that the free market is 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 working like it's supposed to, and let's apply it to today. So Twitter, Facebook, Google, whatever, they suck. They're censoring people. People, what happens? What do people do? Well, theoretically, they would stop using those things. And so if they had stopped using those things, one of two things would probably happen. Either A, they would notice that they're losing users and they would try and gain them back by taking a step back from their prior actions. That's option one. Or option two, someone else comes up with a better solution, right? Correct. Okay. So let's pretend that option one doesn't happen. Let's say that they, they can't go back on what they've done. They're not going to change anything. Okay. They, they lose users. Okay, that's fine. Well, someone else comes up with an app, right? Well, what happens when they say, you know, we're going to allow an app that it, we're not going to take down your speech. We're not going to have algorithms that potentially, you know, bias or filter your news feed and force you into an echo chamber that causes you to be unable to see other individuals from the other side of the aisle as human beings, right? Yeah. Okay. Well, what happens when that now becomes a threat? And I don't mean a threat like competitively as a business, maybe to some extent, but what happens when people start loosely throwing around terms like domestic terrorism or like, you know, oh, they're inciting violence because they don't have the personnel to manually take down posts that may or may not be violent because they've just had this massive influx. Facebook, Twitter, everyone, people don't remember it. It wasn't that long ago that they had these same exact issues too. YouTube did too. They didn't have content. They're, they're, ISIS was freaking, there were videos of, of members of ISIS doing horrible horrible acts online on youtube yes and all over the internet because they didn't have the personnel to to to, to monitor and to take it down and and that's the thing is like we forget that that that's that's part of the growing pains yes so that happens they undergo these growing pains and then companies like apple or google who have app stores and you know google play stores they say well we're not going to allow you on our platform. We're not going to allow you to have access to our users if you're not going to, not going to get better. Well, you know, the potential solution for that is is to have, you know, a free market of those app stores and have it regulated appropriately. But see, that's okay. But here's the thing is you talk about free market and now you just said you want to have them regulated appropriately. And the thing is, is like, I'm, I agree with you. Yes. I think free market is good, but this is a market failure. And we're getting to the point where like there is, is this either, you know, some type of unintended collusion? Was this, is this a form of a monopoly? What is it? Because Apple and Google together, they control 99% of the app store market yes. in the United States. Yes. And it's probably you know, the vast majority of the global app marketplace as well. Yes. And so, although I said I want that, I believe it's actually just straight up impossible to regulate it based on our current legislative bodies to implement that regulation. 
in a appropriate, just and fair manner, because that would really have to be a pretty amazing piece of legislation. And to think that something unbiased in that fashion, the incentives line up for that to be enacted. I think the probability of that is just pretty low. And so what are you left with? I mean, at I think for me, I always, I look back to, you know, like the principles that I talked about is you have to be consistent in your principles. And I think that our country was founded on a number of very basic principles. And you can look at the Bill of Rights, right? The first 10 amendments to the Constitution. And I think those have pretty much held the test of time for the most part. And that is something that we're constantly able to reference. And that's why we have the Supreme Court. They look at the Constitution. They interpret it. And it's something that we can all collectively agree upon and we can extend those principles and extrapolate them to today. And I don't think that we have that right now for the Internet. So it's just kind of a let me apply these rules when it's convenient for me. And and there's really no solution right now. And I think our government is too slow. It hasn't caught up at all. And, and, and who knows? Maybe we need a new form of like governance for the Internet. I don't know. I, I don't want the Internet to be governed. I think the the in, you know invention of the internet was intended to be the wild wild west you know it was supposed to be free and in this new untamed territory that's great until it gets into the hands of some not so good people and dude i don't even necessarily think it's it's not so good people it's like the evolution of what has happened you know like i don't even know that you can fault any CEO for it, like actually making these decisions. Like you can based on like a self-righteous perspective and everyone should do the right thing. Right. But like, that's sort of hypocritical in nature as well. And so, um, the, the basic answer to your question was, you know, do I think I'm free to speak about whatever I want given, um, nonviolent and and non-threatening language the answer for me is like still yes for the most part but the 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 reality is that can stop at any moment and i have no control over that you mean it can stop because they can take it down correct yeah and i mean i, I don't know i just it's very ambiguous and it seems very unclear right now with what what is causing them to take things down or not take things down and it it seems like some type of conspiracy and that word turns a lot of people off but that's that's what it seems like and a lot of people can can point to to many different pieces of evidence that would lead one to believe the same thing and you you just have to wonder that is is it is it okay for an individual or a group? Because it's not, it is not like these people are some, you know, holier than thou individual. This is probably some VP at a tech company that makes a couple hundred thousand dollars a year that is deciding who 
does and doesn't get to have a Twitter account or a Facebook account. Or a YouTube video that just gets no views because they're uh, demoted on the algorithm or whatever the case may be. And, 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 and there's so many freaking reasons. I just said the, I said freaking. Oh, we might get, you know, demonetized. Who knows? Or they, or the algorithm might, you know, slow our reach. I mean, anything, any, any one of these things is possible. It's just a matter of adjusting yeah, a couple of variables. You're right. But dude, my, my observation over the last however long also is, and this applies to just like a general uh, observation, is a lot of these growth pains and uh, these companies' decision-making processes are many times a direct result of people that use their stuff complaining or employees at their companies complaining. And the theme is complaining. And so the natural evolution may have got us to the point where I'm not really a big fan, but like a lot of things relate to that. You reap what you sow. And so there's been a lot of bitching, whining, and complaining about what is on social media for a long ass time. Yeah. And it's a lot of people. Yes. You have to take social media seriously because it is, a, it's a r- very real part of our lives nowadays and probably now more than ever, given the fact that we've all been pushed indoors for, you know, the last year and while, while that's accurate dude there are a lot of people that are shut off from all of that which i firsthand saw in montana well, you know like there's a large portion of the population yet even in the united states let alone people without internet and there's those two in the united states but there's still a gang of them that are unplugged yes and i think the the point i was kind of driving towards is that it still just doesn't there's always going to be people that complain and there's always going to be people that whine um but what makes the difference in my opinion is is do you bow to the mob well dude no but then when the mob forces these companies to sit in front of congress because they're whining and complaining and you, being loud you, okay let's be real do you really think that having them sit in front of Congress, do you really think that's going to, it's going to, sure, they opened up some antitrust probes. That's awesome. You get some lawyers in there, you put on a show, you pay some fines, it's game over. I'm sorry, but the banks in this country pay more money a year in fines for literally laundering money yeah. than I mean, the market cap of many companies. Yes, but here's the deal, is that their everyday business operation is not a social media platform and is not in the public front-facing like a bank, okay? My my, my point is is that you... You you may look like there's some big attack from government on big tech, but the fact of the matter is our governors, our, our regulators have no clue... What is going on? Here's 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 where I think that you may have misinterpreted that. Okay, I'm not saying that. What I know I'm, you're not. No, what, I'm just saying. What, what I'm saying is is that 
as a business owner, as a person that has many duties and obligations, many times you choose to take the path of least resistance. So if your time, money, and energy is getting sucked up with stupid shit, whatever that is, and this is just a general observation, right? Is, all right, like how do we still function the way we want to, but avoid doing that again? And all of a sudden, over the course of a decade, your roadmap looks different. It, it's, it's the natural evolution of like what has happened, dude. So there's a lot of people that don't like what they see on social media, right? And I'm sure that they've had adaptations just from their own observations of their platform since they became large and in charge and making money from it. And so I'm just saying it's impossible to know what that looks like from the behind the scenes perspective, but we didn't just like get here overnight. No. And, you know, I'm trying to have a little bit of empathy for every thing right now. It's just a tough ass decision. Oh, hundred percent. I mean, I, I would hate to be, in the position of anyone having to decide who does and, and and doesn't have a voice. But the problem is, is that like, if you're going to do it, at least have some consistency. And it just seems like there hasn't really been any consistency other than the fact that it, it seems politically motivated. Yeah. But then you have to ask yourself too, or at least I will for right now is, you know, why would there really be any consistency? Of, exactly. But like that's begs the question of where do their incentives lie? Like where do they want to kind of pull the strings and in favor of whom? Well, or what? I mean, I don't know if it's, if it's, I don't know if it's intentional. I don't know if it's a coincidence, but it sure as heck Looks convenient. It looks very convenient. Mm-hmm. And the problem is now is kind of like I said earlier is that it's ex- well you said it maybe too, but it's extremely difficult for an alternative version to arise at this point because we just experienced the you know megatech decade of the fangs right, which are all of the monsters right. They're monsters: Google, Facebook, Amazon, Apple. And somehow Netflix got thrown in there. <laughs> well, Netflix is a different story. Um, it's it's a lot like the recommendations on YouTube and whatnot. So you're still getting a filtered version of whatever they want to send you. And it's basically super convenient and it works to make your experience better. But what I'm saying is, is that last decade already happened, right? Now there's already big companies in that space that just simply never existed before. And so when you're talking about uh, the money that it takes to compete with that, especially if you're running your platform on your own servers and stuff like that. You you can't do that anymore. Like you just can't run your platform on your own servers either. It's just, it's not, you talk about cost efficiency. That's not efficient. It, it's not, it's not secure. It's not, no, scalable. you would, you would have it's, to it's literally not. have like a philanthropist on the back end, like willing to just bleed money to support this endeavor. And, and even if you do go the, you know, more scalable route of not hosting your own servers, 
you know, and you, and you, you outsource that and you, you host it with like AWS or something, you still have to bleed cash to, to gain the adoption of some of these platforms. That's how, that's why the majority of these companies were not profitable for many years. Many of them still aren't profitable, you know, like Netflix finally is, you know, turning a profit after how many years or, you know, it, it took, it's taken Amazon. It took them a very long time, right? Generated a bunch of revenue, not very profitable for a while because they just kept reinvesting it. But it's because that's what you need to gain the adoption and to actually get the network effects that allow you to like be a valuable place for, for people to spend their times and to, 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 to put their eyeballs. Yeah. And that regulation, if you were to say it should have been regulated, was obviously missed on many companies that exist today. But if you think about it from a competitive perspective, you know, there's a lot of companies in other countries that are that are intentional monopolies um, or very close to it. And so, like, I'm not really on board with, like, breaking up some of our really large companies in America because I do think they're going to be uh, a little bit of a valuable component because America is running out of a little bit of other leverage. Uh, quick question. Do you think that too much power, just in general, not even technology-wise, just a trend, is that too much power has been concentrated now in the hands of too many few, whether it be you know, individuals, companies government like you know politicians just too much power and in too few hands do you do you feel that way so my my right away answer would be yes i do however um oh, how do i put this <sighs> My short answer is, yes, I do. But I also think that the power of a lot of people in our country together is super powerful too, right? And I do think from a human behavior and psychological perspective, that has been delicately uh, deteriorated over time. Has it been delicate or do you think it's been intentional? Because if, if the power to control that collective kind of like consciousness and hive brain, when you put people's minds together, tens of millions, it can be powerful. But do you think there has been a deliberate effort to not allow us to come together, to separate us on kind of superficial characteristics? Now you're getting into conspiracy, but... No, no, I'm not. I'm not. I mean, look at look at what we're seeing. Okay, if, all right. if, 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 if <laughs> I mean, look at look at what's going on. We are we are separating people constantly. Well, okay, so we are separating people. In my opinion, is really that there are probably game plans to do that, right? Meaning, people probably have a game plan to make things work out in their favor, and a lot of that has to do with the ability to. Um, get people emotionally riled up with a prediction of the human behavior after that, right? And so throughout 
my life and I can only use that as a, as a reference point is most of the things that I've learned on my own have reversed like previous preconceived notions or taught notions. And so while I do actually believe that many of these things are intentional, I believe some of them are unintentional byproducts of incentives. Totally. But yes. But I also think that up until recently, uh, all these things that were available, right, were super user-friendly, like Google and everything. Like, you could literally go find information. And I don't know if that's changing now or will change in the future or make it harder, but there's still a lack of personal accountability on fucking educating yourself. And so we can go back to the incentives relating to how this is all played out if you want but like that's my overall answer yeah um so two things one i'm going to talk about i think there is a too much centralization and there is an opportunity for decentralization in many forms which we can talk about but also you brought up a good point about incentives and i think the thing with incentives is that this system is it it may seem it may look like a, a conspiracy or a deliberate effort, um, a coordinated effort. It may look like that. And I'm not saying that it is. I don't necessarily believe that it is. I think some things might be. But I think for the most part, I think that the system just has a lot of flaws in its construction and how it was designed. The system is functioning exactly as it was designed. And it was designed to to serve these misaligned incentives these incentives that don't necessarily benefit people let's take healthcare for an example i mean shouldn't the goal of healthcare be to achieve the optimal health outcomes wouldn't that be the logical incentive of a healthcare system ensure that people are getting the best care and health Yes. Okay. And, but it, but it's not. It's not where the incentives are aligned right now. The incentives are aligned to have you know high turnover, like run through patients, run through prescriptions, prescribing things to people. Um, you know, getting people in and out of doctors' offices, processing claims, yada yada yada. The more volume we can do, the more money we can make. Let's not pay attention to the actual outcomes. That's just one of many examples. High school. Graduation rates. That's like the number one metric that public or high schools look at. Or are you a good school? Are people graduating? Okay. Who cares if if your bar is set so low that everyone graduates, but everyone has a C average you're you suck and and there's also the aspect of even if you graduate did that education prepare you for the next phase of your life right yeah exactly i'm just saying like the the quality or you you could have everyone graduate with all a's but the a quality in one school is really c quality relative to where where it needs to be you know it's all relative but that's not it's too much for people to think about 
because nobody wants to start at square one. Yeah. Everyone wants to just keep pushing it off, keep pushing it off. Because once again, the incentives for these people in positions of power are very short-sighted. Whether it's we need, you know, good returns for our shareholders this quarter or it's, you know, we need good optics. We can't we can't go back to square one and and risk you know, some type of failure because we've got to get reelected in the next election cycle in two or four years. You know, nobody has the time to really rebuild and fail. And that's enough. That's one reason why these companies have gotten so big is because they have created a space. These tech companies is what I'm referring to. They've created a space that's allowed people to fail and to iterate and to, and to do these things without the fear of, being fired or losing an election or things like that and they're 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 kind of stripping that away from the outside world that may still exist within their companies but they're making it really hard to fail publicly because failure is not acceptable anymore yes and some of these uh some of these companies that were allowed to fail were also allowed to do that because of the network that they were associated with. You have to have people that are willing to invest and fail with you. Um, and generally speaking, they probably have an incentive to do so. Yeah. Um, but it goes back to what I was sort of saying about these companies being big. You know, our, our government's the largest monopoly corporation out there and that's fine that's like what it's supposed to be right it's supposed to be the governing body i don't know if that's how it was designed though probably not yeah but that goes into a whole slew of complications because our society has changed from the original deal and um we do have some sort of in my opinion obligation to Take care of the people that can't take care of themselves, like for real. Hundred percent, hundred percent. And so that wasn't necessarily true back in the day. You literally kind of had to survive on your own, and that's just like the way it is. And that goes back to like the softening of uh, the population, from my perspective, which then starts to uh, come out in in whining and complaining, right? Because. Dude, even like in Montana, like your everyday life, like when you don't have cell phone service through a mountain and it's cold out and it can like turn into a whiteout at any moment and you have like all of the extra gasoline and gear and extra clothes and hand warmers and flare guns that you just drive around with on a daily basis, your mind is very preoccupied with like different things than many other people in a city or whatever because everything that you need is pretty much brought to you in a convenient manner. And so like it develops softness. It just does. And so I think a lot of the, this is getting off topic a little bit, but like a lot of it just relates to, uh, everything's very big. So whether it's education, a company, a government agency, it's really hard to go back to square one. It's like so hard to go back to square one. And it actually isn't probably easier it's probably easier but there is still pain and suffering that has to happen during that process right and like i just don't think that as a general whole 
uh, we're really built to want that. So how do you how do you do that if you don't really want to as a population? Because you can't vote it in and you can't voice it because the majority doesn't want it. And so like 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 you're left with continuing on the same path for the most part in different in different ways. And so I I just think like we're going to see more of a progressive evolution in this similar direction and there'll be some weird turns that happen, but I don't think going back to square one happens until you're forced to. And so I just don't see that happening anytime soon. Yeah. I don't think it's ever natural to go to want to go back to square one. Like it's not ingrained in us. Well, it is in some people. That's why they fail and start a business and start it again. Well, right? but see, this is the thing is I don't think that I think they are built to sustain the, the failure or, or the going back to square one. But I don't think that it's ever anything that people are like instinctively driving towards. It's not in our human nature to put ourselves in a position to fail, but sometimes that's what's necessary to find the next next success. Well, right. And then, you know, if you're doing something the best you can the first time and then if you're going from a principal's mindset and all of a sudden you realize that oh crap like i'm fundamentally not doing what i need to be doing because now you're more knowledgeable Mm -hmm. yeah you can absolutely prepare yourself to make that transition and you know i think there are still some companies and businesses and and individuals out there that maybe started off on a good square one or are restarting, but it's, it's getting harder and harder every day. Yep. And so, um, that's, what's been on my mind since I've came home is, you know, I, I, I you can't say that there's probably not, a little bit more conscious thought behind what you put out on these platforms just simply because of what happened. Like, dude, I have like friends on Facebook and whatever. They might be a little louder than me, uh, but they're dude, their accounts for sure got temporary bans. Like there's so many of them, so many of them. Oh yeah. Or just like, they're just like regular people like talking about like just bullshit. Like it's not, anything to get riled up about like and obviously that's my perspective and i don't get riled up about a lot of things but i'm just like dude like how is that influencing your life so bad that you like want it to be taken down i just like don't give a shit yeah well like i don't understand personally i'm not one to post anything really on social media i'll tweet but instagram facebook i don't really do that um, it's just not for me. And so I don't really understand why people feel the need to, to voice their opinions on everything unless they really have some type of influence. But just because I don't understand it doesn't mean that I don't think people have the right to do it. Yeah. I think people do. Um, and it just, it is troubling for me to see that be, you know, potentially jeopardized at risk of going away. So I I don't know what the solution is. I don't think uh I don't think we're supposed to on this particular podcast, but I think it's something worth having these types of conversations and thinking about 
whether it's a conversation with yourself or, or with a friend or family member, just to think about it for yourself and like what really ask yourself, like, what do you really believe? And like, if the tables were turned, would you still think the same thing? Yeah. It's a good, uh, conversation piece to maybe have with yourself and others and, you know, people like myself and many others, um, all of those things are an actual big part of, um, people's way to earn a living still too. And so like, you know, I think a lot of people may like to be a little bit more detached from those things, but they feel obligated to be on them for their business or whatever. And, and it's funny because you know, from my observations, there's just a heavy emphasis on video and, you know, social media marketing. Like, I almost think the emphasis, given the drasticness of it right now or whatever, is like just basically like a little bit too late. Like, it's never too late. You can always do it. Um, but, you know, relationships are like still the foundation of business. So, um, if you're using it to build relationships, which can be done, you know, there's a bunch of beautiful stuff that still is possible. Um, but I, but I do think that you can also do it without it. Like, is it going to be harder? Like, yeah, it is. And depending on what industry you're in, yeah, for sure. Um, but there are definitely alternatives they just all require sacrifices. Yeah. But I mean, just to kind of drive one point home is like, just cause I don't use Facebook or social media as much doesn't mean that I don't see the value of creating your own brand and being able to have your own brand and your own opinion and presence online. That is vital, especially yes. as we become more decentralized and people are able to work for themselves um, which is it's going to be the norm 10 years from now. People will not work for companies like they do today. And I may sound crazy for saying that, but most people will probably work for themselves in some form or fashion. It's just what it will be. Um, you're already seeing, you know, it things pointing in that direction already. And, and if you can't, you know, uphold your own brand and your own reputation because of the, the fear of censorship or saying something that, you know, people in power don't agree with, then, then I really do. Um, I do fear for, for what's to come. Yeah, me too. Um, I'm definitely concerned about it. And then if what you just said were to happen, it would definitely make people more likely to work for companies as their opportunity to do the other side may be, um, diminished, but my overall perspective is I'm going to continue to observe because it helps you be able to decide if you can make any decisions or I can make any decisions that can mean something in my everyday life, whether that's happiness or, 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 or business activities, whatever, but it's super concerning. And I think that it is relatively, uh, the story is relatively unfolded, like first inning, second inning type stuff. I just don't, I just think there's going to be a lot of observations to be had. Yeah. And as, as the story continues to unfold, I think the, the answer is, is clear. Don't you? I mean, the answer is buy Bitcoin. 
Uh, all right, we can end it on some BTC. Um, I think that the answer is to observe. And one of the observations is that um, depending on what unfolds with Bitcoin, it is an opportunity to participate in something that is um, closer to a free market. And we'll see what that looks like going forward. But it, I just... I think it's going to be a, a intricate part of our society going forward in some form or fashion, you know, because I am having, you know, 55 year old women ask me about it. And that is irregular compared to, um, years ago. And, you know, regardless of what happens in the short term, I just think that has to be developed too. So, um it takes the power out of the hands of you know a concentrated group of people and it it kind of redistributes it which is i think kind of the beauty of the the decentralized nature of a bitcoin and and i think i think decentralization is going to i think it's the answer really i do think when i said bitcoin is the answer i said it half jokingly yeah i know um i really do think that you know not bitcoin the, the the cryptocurrency itself but really the the idea and ideology behind it which is decentralization and and freedom and a lot of people think oh it's very bitcoin is a very tribal community but when you look at like the fundamental beliefs is it's the best and probably most effective way to to redistribute this inequality that we're seeing all over the place whether it's inequality over who controls speech or inequality over wealth i mean we're seeing inequality across our world and i think it's it's got to be redistributed somehow and so we're going to start to see you know kind of uh things that rhyme whether whether it's whether it's money or whether it's you know business models that take over i think decentralization will be the norm yeah, um, I think that that most likely gets us closer to those uh, founding ideas again, actually. Um, but with all that being said, it, there's still a lot that needs to transpire. So not investment advice uh, at all. Definitely not investment advice. So thank you very much for tuning in. We will see you next time on our next topic.